Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Welcome to the first edition of a new podcast called The Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me on this podcast, and we've been working for a long time, is the great, the talented, the lovely Michelle Yu. Michelle, welcome to our new show. It's so crazy, right? It's amazing, and it's been... uh... I've been excited to start it. It's quite a journey. And uh, just for those of you who are listening to us for the first time, Michelle and I had a podcast called The Horse Ownership Experience for about, I think it's almost six years. Has it been that long? Yeah. And uh, uh, yes, I think it has. Since I was 15? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's been almost six years. And uh, um, we hooked up with the guys uh, at In the Money Podcast. It's Jonathan Kitchen and uh, Peter Fonet, Pete. I said Peter Fornatal, and they're great guys, and they're doing a great job. Um, and they have so many fun podcasts and different podcasts on their network that they call In the Money Media. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, just check them out at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And Michelle, I mean, we love these guys; they're fantastic. Yes. And they got a great, I mean, we, we join a, a super amazing lineup, right? There's the Players Podcast, there's JKN1, the Matt Bernier Show, Ray, Redboard Rewind, Nick Locke. It's it, amazing. It, yeah, it's a really great lineup, and we are uh, honored. Acacia Courtney is going to be doing yes. something now. She just took over in the ring. I ran into uh, Acacia at the um, uh, at the Pegasus last weekend, and mm-hmm. she was all excited. She was like, hey, we're on the same team. <laughs> And I was like, okay, great. Um, it was really <laughs> She's like, funny. I didn't like you before, Billy, yeah. but now we're now we're on the same team. Yeah. Uh, the Twitter handle is at in the money media. I think we're still using our same Twitter, right, Michelle? At on a yes. horse. Yes. So we're we gonna are. use our same Twitter if you want to tweet the show. Um, basically, what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna take out a lot of our uh, we'll call it the fat of our old show. Uh, no, no more race recaps. Uh, I know for all those who who like to just listen to Michelle rant, uh, Michelle and I rant about the weekend's races. We have plenty of other podcasts for that. What we're really going to focus on is the are the owners, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's really what we got into this for. Michelle, I think you'll agree, is to to really get stories about these these great owners in our industry who have uh, um, terrific stories, um, and, and and also provide a lot of advice for people out there who are thinking of getting into the game. Yep, that's what we're what are what we're really wanting to do and celebrating the people that have gotten in because of this. So I think it's great. And I'm sure occasionally there'll still be a soapbox moment or two, but we're going to cut out a lot of the, you know, like you said, <laughs> the race recap and the stuff that everybody else is doing. Right. The, you still want uh, uh, Billy soapbox. Every I mean, once yeah, in a while? sometimes, okay. not all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, we're so happy to be a part of in the money media. Um, and we, we owe a, a debt of gratitude to, to JK and Pete and um, we're excited to get sto- get started. And our first guest is is going to join us right now. We're going to talk to uh, Tim Cohen from Rancho Temescal uh, and Red Baron Racing. We're going to talk about Riverboyne, Sharp Samurai, Doctor Shivel, and how he and his father uh, got into the game. So we'll start that right now. Joining us on the owner's box is Tim Cohen from Rancho Temescal Red Baron. Timmy, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you asking. All right. The first, the first question is the difference. Are, are Rancho Temescal, Red Baron. What's are, are they together? Is it both you, you and your dad? What, what can you can you explain to our people the the difference or what it is? 
Oh, it's like every dysfunctional family. Um, so my dad is the Red Baron. He's been racing in California since uh, 1960, and uh, and that's my dad and my mom, Bobby. Uh, Rancho Temescal is a different entity, um, similar partnership, but uh, a little different. And so basically I operate as Rancho Temescal, and my father and mother as Red Baron's Barn. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Keep it in the family. Um, tell us, go back to the 60s and go back to, to when this your horse racing uh, 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 experience started. Um, and tell us a little bit about growing up with your father and Red Baron, who was always prominent on the Southern California scene. What was it like? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think you and I are probably similar age and you know, go back to the days where there was 45,000 people at San Diego on the weekends. And, you know, I was running around picking tickets up off the floor, trying to <laughs> see if I made a little bit of money that day. Uh, great sandwiches, a lot of fun. And uh, it was exciting times. You know, it was a good family time. What were the, some of the horses back in the day? So our people who are listening re- can re- recall, especially those of us like myself. And, and by the way, I'm much younger than you. I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on finding the fountain of youth. It's hanging out with me, Tim. You should do it more often. Yeah. Well, okay. You and I will grab some champagne. We'll see if we can get there younger. There we go. There. Hey, always the yeah. champagne with Michelle. No, no. Tell us about some of your, your your best experiences. You know, back at the track. I can only imagine when you said that in the good sandwiches. I was thinking Santa Anita, obviously, but I also was thinking about Hollywood Park. You and me running around. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, underage drinking, all that fun stuff. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would say, you know, I, I love John Henry, Vigers, um, you know, just uh, the Tin Man even, uh, you know, some of the older horses. And uh, just really enjoyed, you know, enjoyed the quality that uh, the jockey colony was phenomenal. Uh, good good trainers, uh, good people at the track. It was just a lot of fun. What, what do you, it, from an experience standpoint back then as a kid, because I, I've told these stories about me as a kid and I used to, you know, I, I was a much better handicapper then than I am now because I know too much. Were you were you handicapping at that time? Were you were you drawing pictures of your, of your dad's horses? What what was going on? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I think in math, um, I think I was the first person in the class who understood what nine to five paid. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so I had a little a little advancement on fractional uh, fractions at the time. Um, you know, like we said, just the infield, running around there. I would, I'd love to go on the inside and and go inside for maybe the turf races, and you can at that time get a little closer to the rail, and and you could just hear the horses and the hoofs just going through the blades of grass, and and the pounding and the jockeys, and you know, be able to be close up was was a lot of fun, and I think, uh, you know, obviously we kind of miss that nowadays, but that was that was some of my fondest stuff, uh, uh, and the food. I don't know why. I think I ate my way through the races most of the time. <laughs> Tim, what about did. the name? What about the name Red Baron Barn and Rancho Temescal? Where'd they come from? So uh, Red Baron's Barn is an interesting one. My dad, um, back in the 60s, used to uh, uh, handle a lot of athletes, uh, kind of give them advice, and uh, wouldn't charge them. And my dad was from the East Coast, so he knew a lot of the athletes from, from that side of the world. And, and they owned a restaurant in Beverly Hills, and it was uh, the Red Baron Steakhouse. And at one point, uh, instead of uh, compensation, they gave my dad a piece of, of the steakhouse that quickly went under. Uh, <laughs> but he did. He did he Sounds did like a horse racing story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, you know, what's one more thing to lose money on, right? 
And, um, and Rancho Temescal, actually, um, so the property that the farm is on in Ventura County was a Spanish land grant um, from 1871, and uh, Rancho Temescal was, was the proper name back in the uh, late 1800s, and so we were able to, to continue that, that name. That's amazing. Tim, can you kind of walk us through the evolution of from your dad and mom um, through, you know, the early 2000s into what you have really come to flourish at now? Yeah, it, it's, it's been uh, it's been quite a journey. Uh, so in, in, in the 2000s, um, my dad had, uh, you know, had, through Daryl Vienna was his main trainer. Actually, mm-hmm. he had two trainers um, probably in 40, 40 years. Uh, Riley Kofer was his first, and uh, Daryl Vienna being uh, his second. And Daryl had an affinity for uh, South American horses. Uh, Jed, Jed, my dad, certainly liked turf horses and started getting into the European market. And he ended up buying um, Swanses in, uh, in 2000, who was the French high weight at three, um, and brought him over here. And eventually he ran a few races here, got injured, and retired to stud duty, which was something we you know, never wanted to be involved in, it was the breeding side. My dad's passion is racing, and he has no interest in, in waiting three years to watch a horse run. <laughs> but... <laughs> As, as it came to be, Swanson's was a stallion, and uh, and so at the same time we had uh, purchased the farm in Ventura County and started building that out, and so it was kind of a migration into the breeding business, which uh, uh, is not for for the faint of heart, and mm-hmm. uh, that was a tough go, but it was interesting and we learned a lot. And Daryl uh, retired, um, I would say about oh, somewhere between about five six years ago. And I kind of took over um, on the purchasing side and the management of, of the Red Baron component. And through Daryl, I had been to Europe a few times and, and met some people over there and developed some good relationships with uh, some current bloodstock agents. Uh, Edward Freeman uh, locally has, has done a great job for us on the bloodstock side, Joe Miller in Kentucky, uh, Alistair Donald in, uh, in England. And we kind of focused more on the European running uh, purchasing and some domestic and just a little bit of everything now, uh, but certainly trying to avoid the breeding as best we can. How yeah. has that been to really see, you know, the, the product that you've put yourself towards flourishing? I mean, the last couple of years you've imported horses like it's in the post and River Point. I mean, good horses and, and knowing that it goes back to originally importing suances, I mean, it almost seems like a visionary moment for your dad, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and uh, you know, my dad certainly enjoys uh, watching other people succeed. So I know that um, when any of our trainers, you know, do well, he, he's happy for them. Um, I, I think he's happy the way that uh, we've migrated and, and shown some, some success. Uh, I think the effort's always been there. Uh, it's just we seem to be getting a little bit uh, luckier lately. And, and that's through the good work of everybody. We, we don't think it's luck. We think it's we think it's all skill, Timmy. Uh, Tim Cohen, oh, Tim Cohen, joining uh, joining us on the owners box. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you say that because uh, there is a trend these these European horses that have come in and do uh, and done very well. Um, uh, talk to us a little bit about what you look for 
Um, oh, uh, you, you mentioned, I, I believe, Alistair. Um, what, does he send you videos? Do you are are you what are you looking for in these euros? Give us a little hint. I mean, we, listen, we don't want all of your trade secrets, but give it. No, give I want a, all of them. Actually. I, Michelle does, I have but I'm good. Go ahead. But but well, yeah, let, give let us, me, I'll, be, I'll be honest. Yeah. For as many River Boynes, I've got some some horses I paid decent money for that are twelve five claimers. So it's uh it's great to have it's great to have the successes, but uh, they're not all that way. And I think I think we all know that. Um, Right, but, but at least we get to hang our hat. Yeah. Is there a specific type but, that you look for? Are you looking for maidens? Are you looking for impressive first out winners? Are you looking for Phillies, Colts? Does it not matter? Just good horses. Yeah, it doesn't matter at this point. Good horses are what we look for, and it, 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 it's not as easy buying in Europe as um, as it as it may be. There's you know structurally horses that um, can exist in Europe may not be able to exist here. Um, you know the ground is much more forgiving over there, and so. You have to be really careful on on the tolerance of the vetting, and also um, what the horse physically looks like. So I think I think that's really important, and probably the the most important um, aspects of bringing a horse over from Europe to to especially California, where the ground is hard. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Do you, you know, recently I you make no bones about it. You're using uh, trainers like Mark Glatt and Jeff Mullins. I would bl- I would say that those are your primary trainers. Is that fair? Yeah, that's a fair, certainly. I, I've just gotten to know Glatt recently, and I, I really enjoy talking to him. I enjoy, I think he's extremely smart. Give us a little bit about what what went into that decision to go to Mark Glatt, first of all, and then we can talk about Jeff. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so uh, having a farm, I get exposed to a lot of different people that, you know, maybe as owners we don't. And so one of our clients um, who was using Mark Glad as a trainer sent a couple of horses up here. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay, I was looking at it. The horse wasn't, there wasn't too much, you know, it, wasn't, it, was, it just needed a little bit of time off. And, and I didn't know Mark, so I called him to find out uh, what the aftercare instructions were. And he was grumpy as heck on the phone. And, uh, which, <laughs> not not just on the phone. Oh, he came to find yeah, out. He's not, not grumpy. on a bad day. <laughs> So, so when I finally figured out why I was calling, he was like, oh, okay, we'll do this, 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 and that. And I go, okay, thank you. And we ended up getting a couple more horses from the same owner. And, and you know, I got instructions on aftercare that were unsimilar to anyone else that I had received. And a lot of guys would just go, i just kick them out for 90 days or do this or do this. I would get like a half page of what to do and what not to do with this horse. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe this one's special. But it turned out to be every horse that I got from him Um you know, I had really good detailed information. I could call him, and he'd know right off the bat about the horse. I was so I was very impressed with his knowledge of every horse. Yeah, I think that makes. I, and, I'm finding that too. He treats every horse as an individual rather than some of these guys who are what I'll call pattern trainers. You know, I think Mark really does know his horses. Well, tell us a little bit about Jeff and what you made uh, Jeff Mullins and and uh, how you landed with Jeff. And kind of a similar situation, Jeff. Uh, there was a mare that came up uh, to the farm to be bred to, to Swanson's and be turned out. And she got to the farm, and she was just dappled out, beautiful. The coat was phenomenal. And, and this was back in the days when, you know, there was there were more things that you could give horses. And I think uh, Winstrol and, and those type of things were still allowable. So I was like, gosh, this mare's going to fall apart. I'm not sure if we're going to get her bred because she just looks so phenomenal. Well, it never changed. She got mm-hmm. here, held her weight, held her coat, and I said, oh, okay, well, that's another, you know, example of, of what a horseman can be, right? And so, 
those things stuck in my mind while we were still with Daryl. And then when Daryl decided to retire, you know, those, those type of instances are what led me to Mark and Jeff. Yeah, that it, it makes a lot of sense when you see good horsemen uh, and people that you trust. Tim, what kind of owner are you and your dad, Jed? Are you uh, are you involved in race decisions um, with these guys? Are you? Would you say you're more hands off? What, what, what's your style? I would say we're definitely more hands off. Uh, at, at this point, we've we've purchased the horse and and we've entrusted them to do what's best for the horse and and. Um, Certainly, we want to know what their thoughts are, and we may have input every now and then, but at, at that point, they're driving the bus. I mean, they're with the horse every day. I, I, there's nothing more I'm going to be able to tell them. Right, but I gotta. I, I have to imagine that uh, I'll play Mark Glad. He calls you. He says, hey, I'm thinking about running uh, in this spot, and you have to pick up the phone. You talk to your dad. There has to be a give and take. What is that? Have there ever been the conversation where he's like, we're not doing that? Uh, very few, to be really? honest with you. Um, and, and yeah, and that, and that probably is the surprising part is, is look, we, you know, in, in anything, good management, good anything, um, you got to trust the people that you're doing business with or don't do business with them. Sure. Right. And, and so, you know, I don't think anybody likes to be second guessed. If there's a question or a thought, anybody calls Jed, um, and, and they'll go, Hey, what do you think? And, and that will lead to a discussion, but as long as the trainers are pretty confident in what they want to do, um, we always ask them to, to put them where they belong. We try not to uh, put them where they can't be successful. And um, and surprisingly, and I think if you talk to all the trainers, they'll tell you, well, unless it's a problem or we have a thought, that we don't really hear from them too often. I'm no sure, news is good news. I'm sure they love that. Go ahead, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I always tell everybody if you got bad news, call me. If you got good news, call Jed. <laughs> That's perfect. I don't like picking up the phone from my trainers anytime after 10 a.m. I say just don't call me. Exactly. I'll check in with exactly. you. I'll check in with you. Don't call me. Go, Michelle. I think Tim, you had a question. Yeah. yeah Tim, what? Uh, how do you make the decision on what horse goes to where? Is it maybe who brings them to your attention, or do you have a plan on you know what kind of horse flourishes under a certain trainer? Yeah, really good question. Um, so certainly if any of our trainers uh, bring a horse to us um, for evaluation, that's, that's where they go back to. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're at a sale and we're at the sale and they're doing the work, then, then that's where the horse will go. Um, on the European side, um, basically they get involved when we get down to vetting. Okay. And so typically they're not involved on the pre-purchase side. They're not involved in um, any of that activity. But once we get them vetted, we'll decide which trainer to go to. And, and to answer your question, if they have a similar horse of that category, we try not to give them another. Sure. Um, so let's say there's a three-year-old, you know, first condition, and Mark has it, then the next three-year-old first condition will probably go to Jeff. Or if they both have that, then another trainer. Um, so we try and break them up by by classification. Oh, that well, that makes and I, I don't sense, think yeah. either's yeah, I don't think either's better with fillies or colts or gillings. They're good horsemen, and, and you know, but we we do try and break it up in regard to uh, classification. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Tim Cohen joining us from uh, Rancho Temescal. Am I saying that right, Temescal? Temescal, yeah. not Temescal. You're doing good. Temescal. <laughs> it means a sweat house in Aztec. Oh, it's perfect. That's perfect the, for me and oh, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Red Baron. We'll we'll throw that in here on the owners. Box Tim, a very interesting horse named Doctor Shivel that uh, arrived on the scene last summer at Del Mar. 
uh, your family got involved. I remember talking to you about it, and you said this because I said, hey, is there a way? Can I get a piece of that horse? How do I work myself in there? I, I really like the horse. And uh, you said it's a very complicated deal. Is there stuff that you can uh, uh, tell our audience or tell us a little bit about um, these private purchases? Because they're not always just cut and dried. I, I, you may not be able to go into the, the details, but um, what, what, what went on there? Yeah, that, that was an interesting one because um, of the timing and, um, and different ownership, people getting involved. And uh, Mr. Branch uh, was kind enough to let us in, and he wanted to let um, uh, Mr. Reeves in. And so at the time we were buying the horse, it really would be inappropriate for me to add another entity to it, and I didn't really want to confuse it. Oh. And it was coming right into <laughs> no the futurity. And so, sure. so anyways, so um, every deal is a little unique. We try to avoid partnerships as best we can. Um, uh, this one uh, was an opportunity that, that we kind of pushed that rule by to the side because of the horse. And uh, and we ended up into the partnership, but we we try our best to avoid that as as we can. And you you bought him right before the Delmar fraternity. Then he goes ahead and wins Correct. the Delmar fraternity, and but then you had a really difficult decision because a lot of people wouldn't have shown the patience that you you. Uh, uh, you showed right there at that time because they might have gone into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile or one of the prep races there. But you decided, you said, hey, next year's more important. Is that what I'm reading right? You are correct. And and um, and we knew that really going into the race, that we anticipated a break. Um, you know, we had a pretty aggressive two-year-old campaign. And, uh, and he's flourished. Um, since he's been off, I think he's probably almost a hand taller and, and uh, probably four or five inches longer in the in the in the barrel, and has just really grown up and matured. And you know they need that time off to do that, especially at between two and three. And we, we like to have horses for longevity. And it, you know, yes, you could have pushed, but the smart thing to do, and everybody agreed, was to to plan on giving the horse a break and that. And that's nice to have partners that, that want to do that as well. Right. So where is Dr. Shivel now, and when can we expect him to uh, make his 2021 debut? Well, he's about 30 feet from me, and, and last night he, got, <laughs> he was kicking the stall down. And I'm Wait like, a second. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, hey, hold, don't do anything stupid here. Do it at Mark's Barn. Please <laughs> just leave the farm alone in one piece. <laughs> so... So he'll be, uh, he's got about five more days with me, and then um, he, he goes back to Santa Anita. Are, is he in training there? Is he jogging? Like, what, what are you doing at the farm? Uh, we turned him out for a while, so he was in a nice little grass pasture, uh, enjoying the view and uh, the sun and the grass and just being a horse for a while. And he's, he's on our Eurosizer. We typically put him on a Eurosizer for about a month before they go into the track just to, to get him going and and I think after this rainstorm that we have, um, he'll he'll go back into the track, and oh. uh, Mark will get him going. We'll look forward to that, can Michelle. We, and we've talked about all the ways that you have purchased horses. Do you have a preference in the way that you acquire more stock, or is it just whatever comes along that's a good horse? Um, I, I prefer um, the auctions in, in Europe because I get mm -hmm. to actually see the horse. Um, you know, I, I think I work with uh, people that are, far better horseman than myself but i think everybody adds something to the process and and i'm much happier when i get to see the horse uh, there versus waiting to they clear quarantine and they go oh my goodness that's what we bought <laughs> <laughs> has there been a horse that you've ever gotten off the plane and you're like wow what is that 
Wait, is that a good? Um, is that a good Michelle or a no, bad? No, a bad wow. A bad wow. <laughs> a bad wow. Like when, like a hot girl on Tinder. Yeah. And then like, hey, yeah, easy. Was like, yeah, Tim is not I'm on like, Tinder. Where's the other, yeah, where's the other two hundred pounds? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or are you like your fifteen three isn't our fifteen three? It's you know. It's metric. So, metric fifteen three. <laughs> yeah, you get a little bit of that, but if you, if you do the, you know, hopefully uh, all the homework's done before then. But every now and then, I'm like. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's exactly what I was looking at, but okay. You know, they, you know, someone will get down on their knees or lay on their belly and take a picture, and all of a sudden, fifteen one does look like fifteen three, right? There you go. There you Tim, go. what's your, what's been your biggest thrill? Uh, my biggest thrill has has been um, the success of the, of the European horses and and the team that we've put together. I mean, that to me, you know, winning winning with friends, winning with partners, in the sense of um, the team that we have it, it, that's probably my biggest thrill oh i oh, like that that is that's nice. so nice yeah, yeah, team know, probably, what a team guy true. what a team guy um, well, well recently i, I have go yeah ahead, Michelle. Go, ahead, go ahead oh uh, was, one of my favorite horses was in your barn and i just read that he was recently retired and he's not coming to my house which i'm sad about but can you tell us about sharp samurai yeah such a cool dude he um you know, I, I think maybe in that first turn at the Breeders' Cup where he kind of got stepped on a little bit, maybe did something to him. But he had a little bit of a hot foot um, as we were getting ready to run him again. And, and Mark Mark was kind enough and, and said, let's let's do MRIs. Let's do everything. Let's take a look. And, you know, he's seven, and he just had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so we all said, you know, it it, it isn't worth trying. It isn't worth pushing. He's He, he deserves and so he's going to go to um, Kentucky and and, uh, and and be retired out there, and he's going to have a lot of fun because he's so social. So it, it's uh, it's going to be great for him. I, I, we could have taken him back to the farm, but all he do is see me every day, and that, that's not <laughs> right. Where does he go? Where does he go, Tim? Do you know? He's, yeah, uh, all of a sudden I'm spacing on the retirement. Uh, oh no, that's okay. But it, old friends. Old friends. Me. Oh, he's gonna go to old friends. Oh, that's that's yeah. amazing. So we can go see him. Yeah. They, yeah. Exactly. And so that's. Uh, I can't believe I forgot the name. He was sudden, such but. a cool horse, Tim. I mean, I remember I was in that three-year-old series at Delmar with him when he just destroyed us every single time, and um, it's, it is one of those things. And I think we all have them of those special horses. I can only imagine what Sharp Samurai must have meant to you and your dad. Yeah, he he was he was class all the way. I mean, he always tried, and and if he got beat, it typically wasn't his fault. It was either you know something went on in the race or something goofy. But just a quality quality individual, and and uh, uh, a nice horse to be around, and uh, really happy for him for retirement. I had him and it's in the post, uh, pretty close to each other here in the barn, and it's it's amazing. You know, when uh, Samurai was on a little holiday a little while ago, that. You know, you got two million or millionaire geldings right next to each other, and you know that's a, that's a lifetime experience right there. Mm-hmm. What is it about these classy individuals? Because classes—it's hard to really describe to people who don't understand it. They can't just look at a horse and say, "Oh, that's classy." Tim, how how do you describe these kind of horses? Ooh, now you're asking me to do the impossible, right? Well, um, that's uh, yeah, that's the point of the show. We just ask crazy, <laughs> impossible questions. Yeah, I think I think they just kind of tower and they just kind of stand and their necks, you know, and they just kind of looking down at you and they're just kind of like, who are you? I mean, I think 
that's they just like what do you do what do you want who are you right why, why are you in front of me you well they know? almost they, they have personalities oh completely completely and uh and yeah it's just um i, I think it's one of the things you're just in their presence and you're just like wow i mean uh, you'll see that at the track clocker's corner you'll see a horse out there and they just catch your eye and you're just like wow look at that you know and i think uh that's just that's it's indescribable, but but you know when you're in front of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we enjoy seeing the the red silks of the Red Baron and Rancho Temescal. I'm saying that right now. Um, but yes, one last question before we let you go: uh, some advice uh, for people who are listening to the show for the first time. We like to kind of wind it up with some advice from an owner to maybe someone who's just starting out and getting into the game. What would you? What's the one piece of advice that you would give to a new owner? I would say get involved financially to the to the extent that if you lost it, um, it didn't ruin your experience, right? And and so that horse racing is tough. I always tell people it's like going to Vegas. You can go to Vegas one night and you might make money, but if you're Vegas seven nights in a row, you probably are not walking away with more than you started with. <laughs> but and the same thing in horse racing. I think you can own one or two or three horses and, and get lucky here or there. But if you're in for the long haul, which which is the fun part, just do it to the extent that it doesn't take away your joy financially. Sure. Yeah. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Tim Cohen, uh, we wish you the best. We wish you, we're looking forward to seeing Dr. Shivel. Is there any other are any other horses, any of the Euros that, that are coming out? I think is Quattro L yours? Yes, Quattro L is and she uh she'll be uh, running in I think in March. In the China Dog. Uh, since you, just, since you just She's, kicked uh, our ass really last time. really happy with her. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that was fun. He's not sorry. No, he he's not it. sorry at all. <laughs> sorry, sorry, not sorry. Right? There's got to be a horse name now, right? Sorry, yeah. not sorry. Well, let's do uh, it. What, what, are there any yeah, youngsters? We have a few more coming in. We have a few more coming in from Europe that uh, hopefully will start in the next, uh, end of this next book, and, and uh, we'll hope that they do just as well. But let's go. We look forward to it. Thank you very much for joining us, Tim Cohen. Appreciate it. Best of luck in 2021, and we'll be watching again those uh, those famous red Red Baron silks. And uh, have a great day and a great 2021. Uh, thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Billy. I appreciate it. All right. Bud. Thanks, Tim. See you, Tim. All right. Thank you, bud. Well, that was fun, Michelle. That was super fun. Our first interview, and Tim was fantastic as we thought he'd be. Yes, I think we've been trying to get him on for a while, right? Yeah, he's a little shy. A little gunshot, but uh, you know what? It, for for those of you who haven't listened, the the owners box and the old horse ownership experience, we have great karma. People who come on the yes. show win races. So that's right. If I were you out there, watch these horses come back in the next probably like I'd give it a month and uh, watch for these uh, Red Baron Rancho Temescal uh, horses. And Rancho Temescal also uh, stands Mister Big, I believe, and he's yeah, had, I saw that. a huge success in Southern California as a sire. Which is great. And it's so funny. I mean, we didn't, we, we try not to keep them on forever, but we didn't even really dip into that too much because he was talking about how they're not trying to do as much breeding. And really, I think the part that most watchers see is the, the Euro imports that they bring. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, that was interesting that he said that gives him the most joy. I think if Dr. Shivel is able to get on the Derby Trail, it might be a little late now, but if he's able, maybe, that horse maybe is not the, gonna be a Derby horse, maybe the Travers. No, are you, he's a sprinter. Okay, I don't think they pay that much for a sprinter. But um, everybody out there, thank you very much for tuning in to our new podcast, The Owner's Box, here on In The Money Media. 
the, the Twitter uh, handle for In The Money Media is very simple. It's at In The Money Media. Uh, it's a great way to keep up with all the shows and all the content, as, as Michelle described earlier. You can subscribe to the newsletter at inthemoneypodcast.com forward slash email. If you have questions about our show, I'm very easy to find. I'm Billy at littleredfeather.com. Shoot us an email. You want to talk about horse ownership, anything else, uh, uh, Little Red Feather would be fantastic. Uh, we're always looking for new owners. And, uh, and Michelle, great first show. Yeah, you can follow me at, at the Michelle U. And of course, our our radio show has its own Twitter at Own a Horse. At Own a Horse. Reach out to us. Let us know. We will be back next week with another great guest. And uh, we'll call it a day. Thanks, Michelle. Great talking to you. You too. Bye.